Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today we're going to talk about the hazards of donor conception. And these are things that you should be thinking about if you're contemplating using donor sperm whether that be through a fertility clinic or through the internet or through your mate down the road or a good friend. And those issues relate initially to the arrangements made at the time, legal and verbal, of how the donor might be involved in the child and the child's life into the future. That will obviously vary between the circumstances. So if you come through a fertility clinic, that donor is totally aware that their anonymity is not protected. They do, however, get uh, protection through the consents that are signed for that child or the mother to have any financial access to the donor. The donor can't be sued for maintenance, for instance, once the contracts are signed, which opens up the problem for those who don't have a prenuptial contract, basically. Because if you don't have that... There can be lots of verbal agreement between friends as to what can, what access he will have or not have and what financial support or not he might provide. But without the appropriate consents and perhaps even involving a lawyer in some sort of contract, you're way open to problems into the future. That doesn't necessarily protect you uh, into the future, however, because any contract can be challenged in a court. It's just very expensive and most people wouldn't bother. The implications of donor insemination with friends were illustrated recently by a case in Canberra that got to the Supreme Court 
It didn't only go through the family court, it then went through the high court, and then it went through the Supreme Court, costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. So what was the case? Well, my understanding of it, which basically I've read in the media, not so it's not necessarily 100% correct, but I can see it how it happens. A gay couple want to have a baby, and they approach a friend who obliges with sperm, and she conceives, and the baby is born, and they've agreed that with that donor, that he can be involved as the father of the child because it would be good to have a male around the place for the upbringing of the child. So the gay couple carry on, but eventually, as in many relationships, it breaks down. The mother of the child keeps the child, the donor remains the father and sees the child on a regular basis. The child even calls him dad. The mother, however, establishes a new relationship and that woman is of the view that the donor father should have no longer access to the child and he sues her or sues them and it goes through the three levels of the court initially finding in favor of the man then finding in favor of the couple and then finding in favor of the man at the end of the day and he has access to the child but none of that would have happened if there had been a strong legal consent process or contractual process at the beginning of the, of the process. That's not the first case in the world by any means where that initial access to the child later changed for the donor. There was a case in New Zealand some 10 years ago of a similar issue. Indeed, New Zealand law was changed as a result of that High Court decision to name the donor uh, as the father of the child. The other major issue that one needs to think about, and in the desperation to have a baby, often you don't think about it, and that is how many other siblings that particular donor has created. Now, when it's a friend providing the sperm, it's unlikely there are going to be very many others because they're not a commercial donor. But there are people out there who are donating to multiple people. There is American sperm coming into Australia from sperm banks in the US who are not restricting the number of children the donors are creating. Uh, those restrictions exist in Australian sperm banks, but they don't necessarily apply in the US. However, clinics importing sperm from the US are obliged to find that information out and at least reveal it to the patient before using that sperm. And they've got to th the recipient has to think through the potential implications of their child having 20 or 30 other half-brothers and sisters scattered around the world. So going into donor conception to produce the baby that you've always wanted isn't necessarily totally straightforward. In most situations, it works beautifully, but there can be disasters, and increasingly we're seeing the long-term consequences of donor insemination, particularly in a world where DNA genetic testing can certainly verify that the father of the child wasn't necessarily the father that they thought it was, and may in due course actually lead uh, the child back to the donor. In this day and age of high tech, 
one can imagine that the fingerprint of the father in his genetic makeup could well reveal who that person is if the individual was persistent enough. So, again, donor recipients, be aware. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 